What up, winners? I wanted to talk to you all about our new venture with Patreon. We post weekly bonus content for just $5 a month on our Just Win Baby tier. It's great content that you all will enjoy. We appreciate your constant support for this podcast and would love if you just supported us on Patreon as well for just $5 a month. Go to patreon.com slash wakeupandwinpod and you will be able to get all the Wake Up and Win content you want. Again, appreciate you all for listening and let's enjoy the show. On the line right now, we have a very special guest. She is the co-host of the We Have a Take podcast. I like to call it the What Podcast, but you catch the drift there with the acronym. Also, she co-hosts the Step Back Sister podcast. Tara Bowen Biggs, thank you so much for joining me here on Wake Up and Win. Hi, Devon. It's so great to talk to you. And I'm so excited to hear that you got the acronym because I'm never sure if people have any idea that we have a take stands for what? Yay! It's the best acronym in the game. I love it. And I've always, since I've joined you on the podcast a couple times, I'm like, do I want to call it the We Have a Take podcast or do I want to call it the What podcast? The What podcast just feels a little more swaggy and creative to me. Uh, you just made my day. I have a thing <laughs> for acronyms, and then I always get like so far down the road with them, and then I realize, like, oh, I never really explained to anybody why this is an acronym. So awesome. Thank you. I, no problem. No problem. Again, I'm glad to have you here. Um, we obviously know you've covered the Blazers here in the market for quite some time, but you also are a big fan of the Portland Trail Blazers, and that has to be acknowledged because I'm somebody that enjoys people who actually like cover teams to also sort of be a fan of those teams as well. Like show me you're passionate about what it is that you're covering. And as far as you're concerned, I mean, oh my gosh, Blazer Twitter, you're like the best. <laughs> oh, that's so, so nice. So so for starters, tell me where your fandom began with the Portland Trail Blazers before we kind of get in some of the coverage you've done and so on and so forth. Sure. Yeah, I am number one, always a fan. I, uh, I, when I wrote for Blazers Edge and covered him with Blazers Edge, I never gave up being a fan. I've never even tried to pretend to be uh, objective about it. Yeah. Um, and so I, it's it's fun to have fan sites where you can do that, and I didn't have to like turn on my fandom or turn off my fandom. Excuse right. me. Where my fandom came from is uh, it's it's a story as old as time. I was in college and I had a boyfriend who watched the Blazers. Got it. <laughs> now my husband. Um, but I I remember the first time, like, so I grew up in Portland. I've been right. around here the whole time. In 1977, when the Blazers were winning the championship, I was actually babysitting for my neighbor uh-huh. because he had a child. He was afraid he was going to wake up in the middle of the game and would miss the game. So I sat there and watched the game and listened for his son, his right. infant son. But that was in 77. I didn't get really into the team until um i think it was 89 it was one of the years that the blazers were playing detroit in the finals and um i remember bill lambeer walked out onto the court and he had that face mask on and i was like what is this i (laughs) for some like it was bill lambeer who actually hooked me into the blazers because i was like whatever my team does tonight they need to get that guy and uh so that's really where it started and i was off and on you know 
uh, I went to school in Eugene. There's nothing to do there but watch the Ducks and then watch the Blazers right. um, and hang out with your friends and, you know, go to school. Indeed. And then, um, you know, I have three kids. They're all grown up now. But, like, all those years where I was driving them all over town to all of their different millions of events, we always had the Blazer games on. And we listened to them in the car for years and years and years and years. And then when the kids all grew up and go wet, you know, went away to college and had lives of their own, I was like, okay, well, now what am I going to do? And that was when I started writing for Blazer's Edge because I right. was like – if I don't find something to do, I'm just going to, like, keep hovering over my kids. So <laughs> let's transfer that energy somewhere else. Yeah. And yeah. I I threw myself into the Blazers. And it was it was really fun. T- it was fun. It was a fun time. It was like when Robin Lopez and he was on the team and Wesley Matthews and all those guys. It was, it was a fun time. So that's a, that's a medium version of the yeah, story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I like it. I like it. Again, I'm, I'm somebody, like, obviously, I do, like, live in-game broadcasting. So – when I'm doing play-by-play or at Portland State, I'm sitting in the analyst seat. One of the things that I like to make sure of whenever I'm doing my broadcast is that as a listener, as a watcher, a viewer, a consumer, whatever words you like to use for it, I like you to hear my fandom of the sport so it doesn't just kind of sound dry and like I'm just here to get a paycheck and to sound like I have a cool job, so on and so forth. Like I love for listeners and viewers to be able to hear my fandom of the sport, to understand why I'm actually in the seat I'm in. So I always respect it when people can actually acknowledge the fandom, but still speak somewhat objectively in some areas as well about what it is they cover. Yeah. I mean, all all those, I think part of the reason that, you know, I had such a love for the team is because I started really listening to him on the radio when Sean's was still calling the games. Right. And so clearly, you know, he was amazing. And then, you know, they also had Steve Jones in the booth. Yeah. 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 90. How old was he? I don't know. 90 something, but what an amazing career. Mayor of Rip City. Absolutely. Yeah. So that really, you know, that really helped. And then going into Brian Wheeler, I remember like distinctively driving in my car, listening with my kids to Brian Wheeler, the game that Andre Miller scored 52 points. Yeah. And like, we just kept driving that night. Yeah, yeah, we, yeah, wherever yeah, we yeah. were doing, we were like, <laughs> we can't stop. This is so good. And right. we just kept going. Right, right. Will's known as one of the best in the business for sure. But but I want to talk about the Blazers now. Obviously, the biggest news being that Damian Lillard decided to shut it down for the season. Um, I think that was a great move for him. Um, obviously, first and foremost, you've got to consider his health and kind of not really a need to come back if you don't feel like you're 100%. So it obviously prioritized that first and foremost. But also, I feel like Dame was in kind of a weird position. And the reason why is I look at the Blazers right now and I look at their schedule, and they're currently sitting at 12th. They're just two and a half games out of the 10th seed, which would then make them a play-in team. But as I look at this schedule – I see that they have the Spurs three times, including tonight. They play against the Spurs tonight as we're recording this on Wednesday, March 23rd. The Spurs are sitting in the 11th spot. They have the Rockets twice, who is currently the last place team in the Western Conference. They have the Thunder twice, who is the second to last place team in the Western Conference. They have the Pelicans twice, which is the team that currently sits in the 10th spot. And if things ended today, would get that playing game. And then the only other two games that can be deemed as competitive, but we'll only be able to see once we get there is their final two games of the season where they play against the Mavericks and they play against the Jazz. 
by that time, we're probably a little bit more fixated on what playoff seating is actually going to be. So you might not have the star players in the Mavericks in the Jazz game in particular. So the Blazers are still in a position where they kind of control their own destiny. They don't have that hard of a schedule for the remainder of the season. And if they got to a playing game and Dame hadn't shut it down, I kind of feel like he'd be sort of obligated to play in that because he was like the biggest champion of the play-in format when it came to the bubble back in 2020, which the play-in has been a success, by the way. But I feel like there would have kind of been an obligation for Dame to have to give it a run because with no Dame, we might not have a play-in format at all. I mean, things are never dull with the Blazers. Let's just say that. Oh, so Right. Where I stand is um, when the Blazers shut Damian down and then started that cascade of moves that they made at the trade deadline, and I realized what was coming, although I still have a hard time saying the words that the Blazers are tanking. I have a hard time saying the words. (laughs) At the same time, I realized, oh, my God, I was born for this. Like. I the last podcast that we did that we just recorded yesterday was um we you know it was all about like the things that we liked about this season and I'm not saying I want the Blazers to do what they're doing right now forever and ever right but there it still manages to be exciting to me um like frankly the beginning of the year it was rough it was rough to watch these veterans who just like couldn't quite put it together for like no good reason i couldn't figure out why they couldn't mesh like they had everybody everybody was healthy and then things started to like the wheels just started to fall off right and that was tough to watch but you know these young players like you know i don't know if you saw that you know tonight brandon williams is actually going to come off the bench like how long is it going to be till they shut him down too right, <laughs> i mean pretty right. soon it's going to be cj Ellaby <laughs> and keljum blevins yeah. and like you know you know three other guys and they're just going to be like okay you guys like we just go out we, there and play we have a goal here <laughs> <laughs> and uh so so yeah but like because it's the blazers it can't be easy like you know you would yeah. think that two thirds of your roster being injured or sat would get you, you know, but then you look at the schedule that they have ahead of them and it's like, oh my God, this whole San Antonio Spurs thing three times and then Houston twice. You just read off. I mean, it's like, it's totally (laughs) so Blazers that that's how this season is going to end. Because normally what would have happened, like every other season, you know, they would have struggled at the beginning. Dame would have like kept them barely afloat. And then at this point, he would have rattled off all of these wins and they would have ended up in like the third or fourth seed, but that didn't happen. But despite that, they still have to like really work, (laughs) you know, work at it. And so I just, but I just, I find it so entertaining and I'm so happy for these players right now who are getting a chance that they never expected. And, you know, it's like, rarity in the NBA that you're just like handed an opportunity to like go out there, play all the minutes, make all the mistakes, learn. Yeah. And you know, it just like supercharging their uh, trajectory for those guys who, you know, have one um, and who are like, you know, they're going to just so much sooner make their mark and show what they can do. Now let's play a game of would you rather here? Would you rather see the Blazers tank or see them actually make a playing game. Because again, all things considered, they still somewhat control their own destiny to actually get in, which is, is, is crazy to me, but that's where we are. 
Well, so one of the things that I am looking forward to in this offseason is actually having options and having a draft pick is so critical for having options. It's right. been so long since the Blazers had this many options and it's not even like a huge smorgasbord of options. It's like there's like three possibilities that they could use to improve their team instead of zero. So right. Right. I, at this point, I would really want to make sure that the Blazers get their draft pick. And I'm not even thinking that they're like going to like try to go for a top three sure that would be fantastic if they you know were able to get one of the top ones but at this point looking at the schedule left and what the other teams they're playing are trying to achieve as well it's like just keep the just keep the pick like that to me that's the most important just keep the pick and then do we'll figure out what to do with it later absolutely you said something earlier that that kind of caught my attention i was at work today and I had one of the volunteers at my job come in. They know I'm a sports fan. They know I cover sports, so on and so forth. And she comes in this morning and she says, well, the Blazers sure just got a whole lot less interesting, huh? Because she knows that Damian Lillard is out for the rest of the season. Not that she's like the biggest sports fan, but she kind of keeps up a little bit and she knows I love sports. But for you, at least on Twitter, it seems like you've been able to still be 100% interested in what is actually going on with this team. Although in some ways you could have been a bit spoiled going to eight consecutive playoffs. And then this is the first year where, again, we don't know, but there's a, a pretty significant chance that that doesn't happen. What has it been for you coming off of being a super fan of this team, seeing them go to the postseason year in and year out, that's been able to keep you just as interested in a year where, again, you're sort of trying to like tank <laughs> to an extent. Your your best player has been out for majority of the season. Your your second best player gets traded. Nurk obviously has been sitting. Anthony Simons has been sitting. Like, what has it that this Blazer team has intrigued you most about this year? You know, after the years of what I would deem to be success they've had over the last eight. So um, the things that I love about basketball. I love dunks, I love passing, and I love young players. Okay. And if you look at the last many years of the Blazers, none of those are hallmarks of the former teams. True. Um, They were, like, for the last two years, they were, like, dead last, like, 30th in dunks, 30th in assists. They, um, you know, and they the way that Stott's system re- worked was that unless you're named Damian Lillard, you were on the bench for two years and then maybe in the, your third year you got to play. Right. So when this year started, I was going to, I was going to be really intrigued to see if any of that changed because of the coaching change. And I know that things don't necessarily change quickly, but I thought, Maybe that's something that is going to change. So I've had my eyes on, you know, how many dunks, like, I mean, how many dunk champions, former dunk champions or dunk contest participants have the Blazers had who like never actually dunked in a game? I mean, it's like, you know, it's just like Derek Jones Jr. got here and could no longer dunk. I mean, when does Anthony Simons dunk in a game, you know, and now we have other, I think, was Justice Winslow, a, he was a participant, I think. Eric Bledsoe was. I mean, yeah. <laughs> anyway, yeah. Go, yeah. they come to I'm Portland, like... and they lose their ability to dunk. <laughs> so um, I was looking forward to seeing that. So I, I was tracking that from the beginning of the year, and there were some slight increases, um, you know, especially in the passing, and I think that is a thing that we could probably attribute to coaching. But then when the roster got blown up, it's, like, impossible to tell, like, 
Is it because of the coaching and the coach has new systems? Is it because of the personnel the coach has? You know, what's it attributed to? But I'll tell you one thing, suddenly the Blazers get fast breaks. And it's like, oh my God, what's that? Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. I'm, I'm so excited. It's like, that's not something that we see very often. And, you know, we still don't get a lot of dunks because all the dunkers are dunk guys who dunk are sitting on the bench. Um, but, you know, there's the potential of Greg Brown, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. But <laughs> I, just the basketball I'm seeing is different from what I've seen before that that has kept me engaged. And then also like what I said before about watching these young players get a run, like Anthony Simons getting his chance to show what he can do. Trendon Watford. Oh my gosh. I am just loving that Trendon has had a chance to like show what he can do. And so those are the kinds of things that, that keep me engaged. I mean, I'm, I'm never usually like, I mean, of course I obviously love Damian Lillard who doesn't love yeah, Damian Lillard, he's that dude. but it's all the things around the edges too, that really intrigue me a lot. And so like, I, like I said, I was made for this kind of a season, yeah. apparently. <laughs> like I said, they're so interesting because it's like, again, you could be spoiled with the success that the Blazers have had. Dame has oftentimes, you know, in, in conversations where he felt like he may not have been getting his just due for how great he actually is of a player. One thing I constantly see him saying is like consistency is boring. And obviously, when, when we speak to consistency, we speak to the consistent production that he's been able to produce individually as a player. And again, the success that this team has been able to have over the last eight years, being able to go to the playoffs each year, which is not an easy feat. So I'm like, I'm hearing my volunteers say this to me this morning. And I'm like, yeah, you kind of got a point. But I think Tara might have something to say about that. <laughs> it's, you know, never boring, right? It's, right. They're, they're just, it, it, it could have been so boring. And I'm not saying that it's like super fun to watch the team win by 30 points multiple nights in a row and then by yeah. 43. But also, not so bad if I just, you know, decide maybe I'll turn it off five minutes earlier got you. or maybe i'll just you know what maybe got you. i'll listen to the fourth quarter but maybe i'll like do some other stuff you know <laughs> so that makes sense kind of like losing all of those expectations and all that tension that came i think and also let me be clear like the blazers have like one shot at this like this they can't take two or three years to do this. Like, this is it. Like, if this continues next year, we're going to probably have a whole new situation. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but, like, for now, they, like, just go for it. And right. then, but they got a real needle. They got to thread that needle just yeah. right. Like, they got to get right. their pick. Literally. Hopefully get the Pelicans pick. Right. You know, they got to use those trade of player exceptions correctly. You know, so like this is not a situation where we can have years of this. Absolutely, absolutely. And obviously some of the things you mentioned come that comes down to just how the season ends and where teams end up placing at the end of the regular season. But also I think a significant part of this summer is going to be the whoever the GM is. Obviously Joe, Joe Cronin right now is the interim general manager. How concerning is that for you that he still – has that interim title, knowing how pivotal of an of an offseason that this is going to be so you don't have a repeat of this year next season? I, I feel like I'm not that worried about it. It's not not concerning, but it's, it's not, I don't think, a big concern because, you know, one would think 
he's got the interim tag. And so, like, give him a chance to show what he can do. And he hasn't shown, you know, anything that's, like, you know, he's not sitting on his hands. He's right. going for it. And if he's yeah. going to be going for it, you got to give him a chance to, like, see it through, I feel like. So my thought is that he's, you know, probably talked with management about what his long-term view is and maybe they're just waiting until the season is over. I mean, it's not like distractions are going to like derail anything. Maybe, maybe they're holding it on for like the Blazers are winning too much. And so they'll like have a distraction. They'll be like, well, we're going to do this now. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not super concerned. Okay. Um, I seem, and I just, like I said, it's just, I, I didn't, you know how like you don't know what you've, Let's see. No, it's not. You don't know what you've got till it's gone. That's like the other. It's the, the exact opposite of that situation. It's like yeah. <laughs> you didn't. You don't know what you didn't have. <laughs> yeah. Until that person, whatever is the now block gone. was, <laughs> is gone. Hey, right, 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 right. I'm assuming you're saying that block was Neil O'Shea. Yeah. Um. I mean, I, I, I'm not gonna like you know bag on somebody's job that is a job that I couldn't do. Yeah. But. I feel like the Blazers didn't have the opportunity to be as creative or, you know, they didn't have options that the new guy, Joe Cronin, came in and just like, bing, 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 right. undo, undo, undo. And like yeah. suddenly it's like, oh, there's possibilities. Yeah, there are. How long has it been since we've had possibilities? And I just, year after year of Neil Olshay sitting there looking at the camera saying, nobody wants to come to Portland. And it's like, dude. Like, yeah. you're representing you Portland. Them. Right. <laughs> <laughs> That's certainly not how you're going to get them here <laughs> by saying that. <laughs> exactly. For sure, for sure. I want to talk about this Nurk situation. Nurk was fined $40,000 for taking a fan's phone and tossing it. Um, and it later came out, I saw Chris Haynes, amongst others, report that this fan who was in Indiana, they were playing against the Indiana Pacers, allegedly shouted, your mom is trash and said his grandma is the B word. Now, Nurk's grandmother passed away of COVID in 2020. Again, you're somebody who I think speaks from the lens of a fan as good as anybody. Obviously, you don't want to see Nurk behave in that manner. But when you finally find out what it is that he's responding to, you now have to look at, this problem that has become fans, not just in this situation, fans throwing stuff at players. We obviously know last year was kind of a crazy year when it came to fan behavior after they had come out of the bubble and start playing in front of fans again. Again, Where do you just stand on this entire incident and kind of what are the thoughts that run through your head as you look at this sort of from the outside in, obviously not being Nurk and not being the fan who had some nasty shit to say about Nurk and his family? My first thought, especially after I heard what the fan said, was that Nurk showed incredible restraint and should get a medal for that. Because yeah, agree. everybody who knows Nurk knows how much he loved his grandma. I mean, like when he first came to Portland, some of the first stories that we that I remember reading about him were, you know, his ad- attachment to his family back home and especially his grandma. He yeah. loves his grandma. Absolutely. 
And I, I was, I just went back and was reading the, uh, the articles that were posted right around the time that she died. And it was while he was in the bubble. And I remember how, what a struggle it was for him to even come because he was so worried about his family in Bosnia. And he was worried about leaving them behind. And he was worried about, you know, people in his country not being able to get the care. He even, he, he did some charitable work where he like provided funds for hospitals for, I think for single moms. I mean, he just did incredible work. So for this dummy, this boob, this absolute bozo to yeah, like say something about Nurkic's grandma, I thought Nurk showed tremendous restraint and the only thing I was like, oh, I hope that he didn't accidentally hit somebody with the phone. I hope that when yeah. he threw the phone, he like threw it on the ground. Yeah, and he it, knew where he th hit. tossed it and he didn't just toss it and it landed wherever yeah. it landed. Right. Exactly. But like, I mean, when it, watching the video, he just walked straight to that guy and yeah, gave stood right over the top of him. <laughs> him the look. And I don't know if that guy ever saw a picture of Nurk's dad, but it's a good thing Nurk's dad wasn't there. Yeah. You know, yeah. what's the legend? You know, he beat up how many guys at once? I, I can't remember. It was like nine guys or something like that yeah um that's how the scout found nurkish because he was reading Bosnian the newspaper Beast, <laughs> yeah he was reading the newspaper the and he saw Bosnian a thing Beast. yeah about <laughs> his dad a police officer like taking down like 11 guys at once or something and so he showed up at his house and he was like do you have a son and he was like in fact i do so anyway um yeah um i i just i don't understand why i mean i i don't understand why you pay that much money to sit courtside and then just like say terrible things. It's, yeah, it's, it's just like, what? Who are we? <laughs> that, yeah. that is what we've decided to do with our time. Right. Um. You know, I'm not a good trash talker. I will be the first to admit the fir like the worst thing I ever say is like if somebody flops, I'll say like, oh, I hope the ground was cold and hard. You know, like that's <laughs> that's, as, that's as bad as I can get. Kind of um, corny, kind of corny. I hear you. <laughs> but like I understand that it's it's how at least some... you're aware of it. At least yeah. you're aware of it. You're not one of the people. I understand it's part of the game, but right. like you know, bringing in people's family and like the stuff the Russell Westbrook. Like, yeah, did people get nothing? Have, have people forgotten any of the enjoyment? that Russell Westbrook has brought us over the, the years. And suddenly, like, I mean, he's he's been, uh, I've rooted against him for years and years and years and years. But I will never, ever say that he has not brought absolute joy and thrill and fun to the NBA, that I'm well, going to, like, say terrible things about him. Well, well, to the NBA, and then if you want to get even more specific, the sort of kind of chippy rivalry he and Dame has had over the years, which has been great for the NBA, and obviously – it's been great for, for you as a Blazer fan and, and me, somebody who's covered the Blazers, live here, lives here in the market and follows them pretty closely. It's like he has brought great moments for us, whether it was in our favor or not. The fact that he was able to produce that for us as NBA consumers and NBA fans has like kept us intrigued by what he, by him, obviously, and, and by the league at large. Do you think that these fan incidents, do you think that um, there's more of them? Do you think that players have just like lost patience and are just like not going to take it anymore? Like they came out of the bubble and were like in the bubble, nobody yelled at us like this. And like now they're like, like, what do you think it is? Do you think it's actually more of it happening? Do you think it's just more of an awareness? Do you think it's getting caught on social and shared more? What are your thoughts on that? Um, I, I, know. yeah, I, I don't really know the answer either, but if I had to kind of get in my like theoretical bag, I think 
there's a larger social conversation to be had about mental health during the pandemic and during these last two years. And I obviously see it on, on work levels. And I think you kind of see it even in professional league levels where people just kind of don't know how to behave. There's like this reacclimation or this readjustment to like being back out in society amongst people again. And I would say that might play a little bit of a part to it. And, and of course we've had bad fans in the past do bad things to players, but as you mentioned, it seems like we're seeing more and more of it. And I don't know if things are just awkward for people being back out in the world and in society again, but I'm assuming that that might be a cause of the problem. Um, and, and yeah, and then I do think you still have the elements of social media where these instances are being caught more. You do have the elements of these players that are just more empowered to speak about whatever they kind of want to speak about these days. Um, and so there's, there's an element of that. So I think it's kind of a combination of things, but I truly feel like, I don't know if people like lost etiquette or something over the last two years from kind of just being inside of their house, but it almost feels like these fans are institutionalized or something because they haven't been in this kind of environment in quite a while. And they're sort of acting like it. Yeah, they don't really know how to behave anymore. I think I think bringing that up, yeah, that was that that was I didn't mention that, and I think that's really good for you to bring that up because I think that is all you know. I think they're all contributing factors. Yeah, you know, people want attention. Yep. People have less regard for each other. Um, players are sick of it. Yep. And you know, there's. No, you know nothing like an NBA game, and like I would hate for that to be taken away. Like you're a yes. I've never sat courtside. I can't can I can only imagine what it's like. Great, it's great. I bet it is. <laughs> I bet it is. I've sat pretty close. Cool. Pretty cool having. I've never sat. Floor. I've never sat that close. But I would hate for that to be taken away because people couldn't behave themselves, and players were just like, we're not gonna this put up with this anymore yeah absolutely like I don't think it's good for anybody <laughs> like I don't think it's good for the business of the NBA I don't think it's good for the players as far as the atmosphere they've gotten accustomed to play it and it's definitely not good for the fans in the community who attaches themselves to their favorite sports teams within whatever market it may be um, but again I do think like there's some unpacking that we have to do on the mental health front because Again, I, I don't want to compare the pandemic to people that actually like are incarcerated, but to just kind of give somewhat of a comparison, like there feels like there's been some societal institutionalization because people have been like locked in their homes and they haven't been able to move as freely as they've once been able to move. So, um, yeah, I think there's like a, a larger conversation to be had about that from a societal standpoint. And an example that we're seeing it at is these NBA games. And, and again, it's, 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 it's horrible. <laughs> like I, I, I obviously don't like it. And, you know, I, I do think that these fans are starting to get harsher punishments because of it. So I'm glad that action is being taken against these fans, but a, a lot of the initial action seems to be much more avoidable than obviously has been displayed. Yeah. I, um, I'm going to I'm going to a game next week and it'll be my first game that I've been to since I went to the first game back. Okay. Back when, you know, there was still, you know, two people per row and there was lots of distance and, and everything yeah. like that. So right, right. at that point it was just like 
everybody was like just crying with joy that they were able to be there. Yeah. <laughs> you know, sure. it was just like, oh my God, you know, but I feel like that novelty maybe is, I, I'm just interested to see what the vibe is going to be like when I go back uh, next week. Yeah, because everything's lifted now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All of it's lifted. Um, um, I'm curious your thoughts on Chauncey Billups in his first year as a Blazer head coach. Obviously, we've spoken about what kind of year it's been for the Blazers, but you also have a new coach that's in his first year, not even just as a head coach for the Blazers, but just as a head coach in general in the NBA. What's been kind of some of your general thoughts based on what you've seen from Coach Billups in his season, in his inaugural season as an NBA coach? I think I think things got off to a rough start, you know, both with the way the hiring was done and the right. way his introduction was done and also just like with the way the the team was playing in the beginning of the year. It it, it seemed like he had a hard time getting buy-in from the vets and I don't know if it's because maybe some of the vets didn't like how their former coach was let go or if they just weren't ready to transition or if they just didn't have enough time together. But one thing that really has made an impression on me is the attitude that he has instilled since this tanking situation has started. And I have not seen trailblazers play with that much effort from the first whistle to the last whistle in a while. And he's figured out at least how to motivate these guys in Mm. this particular situation and, you know, I've heard him talk a little a bit about it and him, you know, being forthright about, like, look, we know what's going on. And, like, he's figured out a way to convince these guys that he's putting them into the best situation that he can for their future. And it's up to them to play as hard as they can, to go for every ball, to learn as much as they can, to grow as much as they can during this. And I that impresses me. Like, yeah, he could have not done that. You right, know what right, I mean? Right, right, he could right, have been right. like, I thought I was going to be coaching Damian Lillard. Yeah. And CJ yeah, McCollum yeah. and Nurk and like, and <laughs> now the playoffs eight straight years, whoever this guy is, I don't know his name. He's yeah. coming off starting. Right? right. You know, so right. he, he could have done it another way. And I, I feel bad for him when I look at like Ime Udoka and Jason Kidd, who got off to Rocky starts and then just have really like hit their stride with their new teams. Right. And it must be hard for him, but he doesn't, you know, he, he doesn't, I mean, obviously he probably wouldn't go out and like complain. Um, but I just, I like the attitude and the feel of the team, despite the fact that they just are struggling to win and they are built to not win. He seems to somehow have figured out how to like uh, motivate them. And to me, motivation is so important to what, to what the coach does, you know, um, and I also like fast breaks and I also like a coach who likes defense. Yeah. And um, I'm excited to see what he can do next year. If like justice Winslow stays, if Josh Hart stays, if guys who like, like thrive off of defense mm-hmm. um, and are the types of players that Chauncey, you know, likes to, you know, play with. I'm excited to see what it's going to be like next year. I'm a little nervous because I'm afraid that like all that fast breaks, all those dunks, all that stuff that I love, they're going to go away. <laughs> yeah, 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 for sure, for sure. Um, I want to take it to the NBA at large here, uh, and I just kind of want to get some general predictions from you. And obviously big news came out today that it is likely that Kyrie Irving will be able to play full-time 
um, Mayor Eric Adams is supposed to make this announcement tomorrow. Obviously, we'll see if that actually happens, but those are the reports that have come out within like the last couple of hours. Um, who do you got coming out the East with that information? You can obviously consider that Kyrie will probably be playing full time, still probably no Ben Simmons, but Kyrie will be there. Um, and then who do you got coming out the West? Obviously, the Blazers are still in the Western Conference, so I'm sure you're – and, hey, they still got a chance at the playing game in the West. Like, you got to be paying attention. <laughs> Isn't that crazy to say? No, it, it is. And I just I just know how this is going to go. Like, yeah. even if even if the Blazers don't make it to the play-in, it's going to come down to the last game to yeah. see if, to see if um, the Pelicans make it. Right, it's, right. That's just how it's going to be. Like, yeah, it's, it's never <laughs> – <laughs> you never get what you want. Yeah. You, you never get what like you want something and then you get it and it's like, oh, but not like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not like that. Um, okay. So Eastern the, Conference the, and Western Conference. Who do you got? Basically who you got playing in the NBA finals. I just love Kevin Durant so much. He's so good. And He's he so is good. put up with so much crap. <laughs> yeah. I just want him all by himself and like um, yeah. you know, Claxon, like to go and take it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Take yeah, it yeah, all yeah, the yeah, way. Yeah. You know, Kyrie, I've just I I was always like so staunchly on Kyrie's side when he would like say things that were outrageous. And then he like just doubled down on stuff, some stuff that I didn't agree on. And I was just like, I just can't, I don't know if I can do that anymore. But while all that was happening, I just fell in love with Kevin Durant all over again. It's like, I'd sort of forgotten about him and he's just a beast. He's a, you know, the size of a (laughs) pick. You know, I just, I want good things for him. But like the fact that he had to put up with like James Hart, like, who is James Harden to go to Brooklyn and act like that when he's playing with Kevin Durant? Durant. Yeah, like, he's so good of a player. <laughs> what are you doing? Yeah. So, um, so I don't know if they are gonna make it out of there. I, 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 I still believe in the Bucks. Me too. Um, That's I, I, I honestly rules because they've had the least amount of drama, the least yeah. amount of turnover. They've been solid. They know what they're doing. They've been there before. So I honestly kind of think that it. It's probably going to be the Bucks. I, I, I think it's going to be the Bucks as well. Me and some friends have been going back and forth because they're not really a believer in the Bucks, even though I don't really know what there is not to believe in. <laughs> I mean, I, I, they're like the most complete team to me. They've got the star power. They've got the size. They got the athleticism. They defend well. They've got the firepower. Like they've got everything you need to win a championship and to be successful in the postseason. So that's the team I'm most comfortable with saying probably won't even just come out the East, but at this point with the Warriors not playing so great and with the Suns, we'll see how things go, even though Devin Booker is still having them play really well without Chris Paul there. But to me, like right now today, the Bucks seem like the most fitting team to win a title when mm-hmm. all is said and done this season. Obviously, Steph's going to come back again. Chris Paul's going to come back on the west side. You do have Kyrie out there full time, so the ammo that the the Nets are going to be able to have with both KD and Kyrie on the floor is at the same time and just with how strong the East has gotten, like I think it's going to be a really fun competitive playoff, but I think I got the Bucks coming out of the East. Now, who do you got coming out of the west side? 
Um, before I go to the West, I think uh-huh. I'll, ha- I'll have to admit that I think the dark horse coming out of the East is Boston with the way that they've been playing. They've I mean, playing we can't well. ignore, like, yeah. where did they come from? Like, what? <laughs> like, how did that happen? So I just want to give them a, a, a thing. And they're also haven't had, they've had the drama of, like, all the talk about them and their initial struggles, but they yeah. haven't had the drama of the, like, the the roster. Right, you know? right, right. So um, and, I think... And, and, and I want to give a quick shout out to Ime from Portland. Mm-hmm. It's a Portland state where I'm an analyst at. So, and he's a black coach for crying out loud. I'm happy to see his success. Yeah. If, if Ime can't be the Blazers coach, you know, it's like, I'm going to like, if, and if they make it, I will throw myself all the way in to support him because Absolutely. yeah, for all those reasons. For sure. The West, I think, you know, I think this, the Suns are the favorite. Mm-hmm. Um, they're just so well coached and they just have so much versatility and they, you know, Chris Paul will be back by then, right? Yeah, like he, yeah, he, yeah, he should. He's not. He should be back. I mean, I think they said it was like six to eight weeks. So what are mm-hmm. we about? Maybe he's been out for a few weeks now and I think we are like a few weeks away from the playoffs. So he should be back, but he might not be back at to start the first round. But if they go deep into the playoffs, he'll definitely be back for sure. I I'm just honestly so confused about the West. Like they, it's like they caught whatever the East has had for yes. all these years. They caught right. it over here. Yeah, like, I don't know how it happened. Denver's in a free fall. Like I can understand the Clippers being in the situation that they're in because I mean, you know, they don't have. Um, uh, Kawhi uh, or Paul George, right? Um, and you know, I know, I think Jokic is just getting exhausted in Denver. Yeah. Like he just yeah. doesn't. And I just, I know I should believe in Utah, but yeah. I'm from Portland. I just can't. Yeah. <laughs> I respect like, it. John Stockton and Carl Malone will just—they just ruined everything for me, and I they continue it. to do it regularly so even, to, even with Donovan there even, yeah like yeah like I want to see Donovan Mitchell somewhere it's the, else it's the brand it's the brand you just can't get with it yeah I just yeah I, I I just can't and um yeah Gobert and I don't know they just don't inspire me so maybe they could maybe maybe they might be my like dark horse contender but i think yeah. phoenix is probably the most likely to come out of there i'm gonna still try to go with my boys from the bay man i, I think my warriors will pull it together do um, you think so i think they'll pull it together i think they got the vets obviously steph will be back um you know they they've they've had a pretty turbulent second half of the season when it comes to injuries um Draymond's been out for a while Clay obviously still has had to adjust now Steph's gotten hurt GP2's been out for a couple weeks like they've they obviously had a, a really good first half of the season but it's been pretty pretty turbulent in the second half but but I think they'll pull it together and uh I still think they'll come out of the west even though I like that damn Devin Booker mm. I think he's so underrated and and I saw you know I've been talking about this for a while like Devin Booker since the bubble, like, like obviously here in Portland, you know, everybody was, was intrigued with how impressive of a run Dame had in the bubble. But other than Dame, it was Devin Booker who mm-hmm. led that team to an 8-0 run in the bubble. And just unfortunately, things that were out of control didn't happen in their favor. And, but, but as far as what they could control was going out there and winning night in and night out. They did just that. And – I think obviously you add Chris Paul to that team and 
you see them become a contender and ultimately ultimately make it to the finals last year, got the best record in the NBA this year. But again, I, I mentioned what Dame talks about as far as consistency being boring. This entire time, this entire stretch, Booker has been their leading scorer. He's kind of been their go-to guy to me offensively. Obviously, you do have the playmaker and the floor general and Chris Paul as mentioned, but like Booker is uh, uh, he's that dude to me. And, and I feel like he doesn't get the credit that he should de- deserve, especially when you talk about MVP talks right now. He's the leading scorer on the best team in the NBA. I mean, as far as production is concerned, and I, I got a lot of love for that guy. I really like how they built that team. Yeah. And I, I really like how they just let Devin Booker cook for several cook. years. Yeah. You know, they yeah. didn't rush him. They didn't try to force him into somebody that he wasn't until he was. Yeah, right. And right. I just, I really like, I really like that team. And then they're like, oh, okay, you're ready now. Here's Chris Paul. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And like, uh, for yeah. as a Blazer fan, I keep looking at that team and thinking, because because for so many years, people have been talking about like, oh, Damian Lord's going to be so old and then he's never going to win a championship and he's never going to. And it's like, does nobody see like what Chris Paul is doing? And I know that yeah. Damian Lord is not Chris Paul. They're different players. They have, you know, different uh uh qualities right right but like this whole time i've thought like i wanted like i you know when when the blazers traded cj all i wanted was to get a bunch of guys 26 years and younger and just like grow a new team for damian lillard rather than try to just like continue to like bring in vets and i like how phoenix they have this young core yeah. with, you know, they do have vets. It's not like they don't sure. have vets, but they grew these young players together and then found just the perfect complementary part who lets Devin Booker be Devin Booker, yeah. didn't come in and be like, this is my team now. He was mature enough to come in and like see what the landscape was and be like, yeah. this is my best shot. So I just I like the story of them. So that's kind of why I'm rooting for that. But I understand, you know, you're from the Bay Area and you're gonna, you know, ride or die. Ride or with die. Those guys. <laughs> I'm not sure I'm as optimistic about them. But I have a lot of fans, a lot of friends who are fans, a lot of friends who are like really going hmm about like some of the coaching decisions um, that you know the that um, occur has been making and just like. I don't I'm not, I'm not sure I'm as optimistic about your team as you are but I don't want to like you know be a killjoy here or anything. Yeah, you can <laughs> do your thing, do your thing. It's all good. Do your thing. Um but before I get you out of here, it is Women's History Month and if I'm not mistaken, correct me if I'm wrong, you co-host two all women led podcast. That is correct. The we have a take is me and Cassidy Gemmett and we are the whole time, every guest that we've had is either a woman or a person of color. Mm-hmm. And the reason we do that is because there are so many people who like to talk about stuff and we keep hearing the same voices over and over and over again. So right. we've been like, how can we find other people they know who like we can give voice to them and, and like give them a chance? And one of the things that I'm really proud of especially is that like we've had a lot of players or not players we had a lot of people on 
you know, years ago when we first got started, who we were the first podcast that they came on. Yeah. Like nobody had ever asked them and they're like, oh my God, really me? Yeah. yeah, um, yeah and I'm like, yeah, because yeah, you're like really smart. And so yeah. like, I try to make it like as low barrier and as easy and it's like, there's no pressure, like just come on and be yourself. And so, um, you know, we started doing that years ago. So I'm really proud of that. And then the Step Back Sisters, oh my gosh, these are like three women that I met over Twitter and uh, they, we all came from different fan bases and we were like, wouldn't it be fun if we just like, you know, talked as fans of our teams who all like don't like each other yeah. Yeah, 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 <laughs> and see yeah. what we can learn from each other. And, you know, we haven't recorded together for quite a while because some of these women are like off on these really awesome trajectories, like getting jobs with like, um, you know, uh, you know, leagues and leagues, yeah, 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 leagues, yeah, yeah. right? Media right. sources, you yeah. know, stuff like that. So it's awesome. So we haven't really um uh, uh recorded together in a long time. But you know, again, what somebody said uh who gave us a review for Step Back Sisters was like, this reminds me of sitting around and listening to my mom and her friends yeah. talk about sports. Right, and you know, it's like you know, it's saying like, you all are knowledgeable. You all know what you're talking about, but you just come at it from like a different angle and like think about things that we don't necessarily look at it from there. So I'm very proud of that. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, one last question. I asked all my guests this question. Um, this is the wake up and win podcast. So simply put, when you wake up in the morning, is there something that you do um, to court, sort of kind of like, set the path for you to go out and win the day. A little play off the Eugene Ducks, the Oregon yeah. Ducks. <laughs> for sure. I mean, so first of all, I'm a morning person, so okay. I love the morning. And right. when the day is, or, you know, wake up and win, yes. Yeah. Um, I walk at least three miles every morning. I walk at least okay. five miles every day. So the first thing that I do is my every morning is the same. I get up, I make coffee, I have one cup of coffee, and then I go walk for an hour. And nice. I listen to podcasts usually or listen to books. I'm just in my own little world. And that totally gets me ready for the day. And I would never, I will never, ever give up that time ever. I started doing yeah, it yeah. like during the pandemic and okay. I now will never, ever give up that time. My, that hour in the walk in the morning is crucial. Rain, shine, heat, snow, sleet, whatever Gotta go. out there. There we go. There we go. Again, Tara, thank you so much for joining me here on the podcast. Um, let them know where to follow you. Let them know to, to subscribe to your platform, so on and so forth. All right. Well, thank you so much for having me. It was a thrill. I love it when you come on my podcast. I always learn and we always, always have great, great. discussions. For sure. So we got to have you back on. Uh, we have a take the what podcast, the which what you can podcast. find at we have a take on Twitter. Um, and then the Step Back Sisters is at Step Back Sisters. And you can find me at TCBBIGGS on Twitter. And it's a hard one. And it's two B's and two G's. And I don't know why I didn't come up with an easier handle, but, <laughs> um, or you can like, you can just type in team mom. That's my, um, uh, that's my other name on Twitter. So you find me that way. Um, but yeah, and I apologize in advance for flooding your timelines. <laughs> my heart. Cause for some reason, you let I, it fly. You let I it fell fly. in love with Ben McLemore this season. And every time he touched the ball, I'm just like, Oh my God, I love him so much. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I understand if you follow me and then immediately decide to unfollow me or mute me. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I like it. On that note, we're going to leave y'all the only way that we know how, and that is to stay woke and go win. Go win.